exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. Welcome into the basement. It is Monday night. It is 7 p.m. As I'm used to it being, what, 8 p.m. right now. I'm all flustered. This daylight savings time is killing me, Ray. But this is the Spartan Sports Wrap right here on Impact 89 FM. I'm your host, Dan Duggar, alongside Ray Mara and Brigitte Sheroyan, bringing you Michigan State Sports first and foremost right here on Impact 89 MSU Student Radio. You'd like to get in touch with us, our number, 517-432-3893. I'm sure there's a lot of disgruntled fans, disappointed fans, Voice your opinion. This is a public platform. Let's keep it clean, though. Lisa's on the phones and the boards tonight, 517-432-3893, as well as our email address, wdbmsports at gmail.com. Ray, how was your weekend, brother? Good to see you. Uh, I don't know. It was a disheartening weekend, but uh, I'm looking forward to you know Michigan State Athletics bounce back this week, especially in football. Yeah, overall, it was a it was a tough weekend in all of athletics. Sands, Sands hockey, hockey held it down. Wrestling, Jeff Wimberly held it down at 141 pounds, winning at the Eastern Michigan Invitational. So big ups to wrestling. Hockey held it down. Women's volleyball upset number seven Wisconsin Friday. Volleyball held it down. Basketball did not. Football did not. <laughs> Men's soccer, they're good. They lost twice. It was a tough weekend in sports, but I'll kick it around. Brigitte, what's going on? Not too much. It was a good weekend besides the sports. Got to tailgate a little bit, relax. But tough weekend to be a sports fan at State. Well, it, I'm glad you made it here tonight. You, you recovered. Uh, once again, our number, 517-432-3893. Uh, the email address, wdbmsports at gmail.com. Funny story. I thought I'd, <laughs> thought I'd, thought I'd begin the day. The evening here, lightly. Wherever you're at, we thanks for joining us. You're getting off work. You're still at work. Appreciate your time taking time to be with us tonight here on the Sports Wrap. <clears throat> Our friend, uh, Ray and I have a mutual friend. Yeah, his name's Jeff Fien. Uh Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, Jeff drops his phone in the toilet, right, uh, this, past, this past weekend. Uh, I believe it was Friday. So Jeff drops his phone in the toilet on Friday. And so his phone is wet. What does Jeff decide to do with his phone? Uh, Jeff says, uh, you know, to dry a phone out that's been wet, you need heat. Uh, so Jeff decides to set the oven, turn the oven on. Uh, not only does Jeff turn the oven on, Jeff turns the oven on to broil. <laughs> to, to broil. So Jeff places his cell phone in the oven with the battery in it, you know, aside from the battery exploding maybe for being in the oven on broil. What does he do? He goes ahead doesn't stand there and watch it for like you know 30 seconds a minute maybe and wait for some of the water to dry up uh, Jeff says I'll go ahead shut the door and take a shower <laughs> while my cell phone's in the oven in the oven's on broil so um, have you have you heard anything more feeble-minded than this I I have not heard anything this stupid in a long time and only my friends would do such a thing so Keep this. Can we get the stories rolling in? Have you heard of a friend or done something yourself that you would admit to something as brilliant as this? My friend Jeff drops his phone in the toilet because it's wet. He decides to dry it off. Not to mention he's sober too. He's so. yeah. He's. We can't blame this one on alcohol. And so he drops his phone in the toilet, goes ahead and puts it in the oven on broil, thinking that oh, a little heat that'll help it out, dry it out. No, not that battery acid would shoot throughout the oven and contaminate any chance of baking something in the future in that oven. 
Ray, your thoughts. Uh, have you heard such a brilliant feat accomplished by anyone else? Well, uh, I've, had, I've had the privilege of living with Jeff the past two years, and uh, he does have another story that uh, comes to mind that uh, we moved in last year, and uh, we were, you know, decorating the apartment, and uh, he's hanging up posters and stuff, and uh, he decides to hang a poster over a light socket, and essentially that we actually needed that, and he definitely left it up all year after, you know, Bobby and I were bickering at him. So he so he uh, hangs a poster over a light socket that you guys aren't aware of exists. Uh, well, it was it covered half half of it. So I mean, it was, was, it, was it a there. was it a power socket or a light switch? It was a power socket. Oh, that's all. That's always healthy. So. Uh, but yeah, that's great. That's the uh, that's the brilliant story of the year so far amongst our group of friends. Uh, drops his cell phone in the toilet, sober. Uh, it's wet. He decides to uh, go ahead and try to dry it off. So he puts it in the oven. On Broil, if you or your friends have a story good as this, or even more brilliant, please call 517-432-3893. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. I thought we'd get it off on a light note to start the uh, start the show here tonight. But uh, email inbox open as well, wdbmsports at gmail.com. We're going right to the phones. Please, I'm hoping this is a great story. Welcome to the Sports Wrap. Hello? Hello, this is uh, D.D. from Clinton Township uh, with a uh, dropped-it-in-the-toilet story. Uh, I'm one of those persons who chooses to uh, carry a concealed weapon, and uh, one morning uh, at work I was uh, a little late for my uh, morning meeting uh, going into the little room, and as I started to uh, assume the position, I uh, dropped my sidearm into the toilet. Uh, luckily, it was before any of the meeting had proceeded, but... Uh, Starting uh, to uh, clean your sidearm by uh, removing it from the toilet is uh, not a good day. But, that's uh, that's not healthy. You, there is a uh, dropped in the, the toilet. There, toilet. there it is. Hey, we're wow. That but that pales in comparison to what Jeff did. See, Jeff couldn't control. Jeff could control what he did. This is a Spartan sports rep. We're, we're starting off on a light. I know it was a rough weekend for Spartan fans. But Jeff could control. Jeff dropped his cell phone in the toilet. But what he did thereafter. Pales in comparison to, you know, whatever, dropping a, a concealed a gun. We can be grown-ups. A gun in the toilet. Jeez. <laughs> but Jeff decides. Oh, we got another call. They're coming in tonight. Have you ever have you heard anything more brilliant than putting a cell phone that's been dropped in the toilet in the oven to dry off? Please call us. 517-432-3893. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Rep. What's your story? Hi. Th- 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 this is Jack from Hazlitt. Jack, funny, Jack, how you doing? I have a funny cell phone story. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Um, I, I also like to carry carry weapons. I mean, in fact, I carry several guns, uh, several knives as well. Um, just just to be clear with you, I I, I I do from time to time carry a machete and a crossbow. Um, I, I, I one time I I pulled out an arrow, and and what I thought was an arrow, instead it was my cell phone. Now this was back when I had the Zach Morris model. And I accidentally put it on my bow and fired it, arcing through a busy crowd. Incredible. In- incredible. Hey, keep the stories coming. Un- unbelievable. <laughs> this this clown from Hazlitt, some, some joker. Anyways, this is a true story, what we're dealing with here. My friend Jeff drops his cell phone in the toilet, decides it's a brilliant idea to put it in the oven on broil, close the door, Go and take a shower. His cell phone melts. Still works somehow. I need to buy that cell phone. I need to purchase that cell phone. 
the one that you can bake for 15 minutes and still make the call. This all, this all stemming from uh, from seeing Jeff this weekend and seeing uh, like rubber bands wrapped around his phone, no back cover to it, the battery uh, exposed. And I say, Jeff, what'd you do? He giggles and he says, "Oh, I dropped my cell phone in the toilet." Said, that doesn't do anything to the back cover, but no, he uh, he decides to put it in the oven on broil while he's well, and then goes and takes a shower. Oh yeah, let me take a you know, let me go get the old spice on and uh, let it dry out for about ten to fifteen on five hundred Fahrenheit. See if that helps his cell phone to work any better. Anyways, the email inbox wide open. If you can top that brilliant feat, please do. WDBM Sports at gmail.com, or please call with true stories. This one definitely not a fallacy, 517-432-3893. We kick it off with uh, very saddening news. Yes, it was a tough weekend in sports, but women's basketball may have suffered the most. Um, They won two exhibition games, yes, but they had one huge loss. Soon to be what I thought to be an All-Big Ten selection when this season was said and done. Aisha Jefferson out for the season with a torn ACL. Um, very, very hurting to this team. That She's a captain, I believe. She's a leader of this team, a very vocal leader. Torn partially to, I'm not sure what the extent of the injury is, but Aisha Jefferson of the women's basketball team, she is out for the entire season with a torn ACL. Um, so Coach Susie Merchant kind of rolling up some, some snake eyes. I mean, Alyssa Hahn was hurt. She didn't play in the last game. Maya Johnson had the uh, open gym torn ACL, mm-hmm. and so that's just a tough blow. I mean, you talk about coaches in their first year at, as, in a new position, and Mark D'Antonio. Uh, I don't. I believe this pales in comparison to the obstacles D'Antonio has had to face. He, for the most part, has had no has, a, has had a healthy, skilled position. Yes, the offensive line has had their share of uh, musical chairs and injuries. Uh, but he, you know, it's not like he Hoyer went down with an injury, or Devin Thomas had two, three brilliant games and then went down. You know, knock on wood, and, and there's been no significant injuries. Uh, we know, we know, we lost Chris L. Rucker, a mm-hmm. freshman, uh, but I, I believe we have average, adequate depth and at the secondary. But losing Aisha Jefferson definitely, definitely hurts. Um, you look at her numbers as a sophomore: uh, ten and five, ten points, five boards a game. And uh, I, you know, I pro- I really projected her to be somewhat of a sixteen point, eighteen point performer per night with maybe eight to ten rebounds. That's a huge blow. But Coach Merchant, I'm a- unfortunately didn't didn't record it at the press conference today. But I'll, I'll summarize her statement. She said, go- going through the coaching ranks as she did, sm- starting small college uh, to the Mid American Conference, and now to Michigan State. She's had to deal with adversity, and she says, you know what? You may have not been the tallest. You may have not been the strongest. You may have not had the most depth, and so, therefore, you have to be crafty as a coach in how you scheme and how you plan. So uh, that really stood out to me uh, in Coach Merchant's character and, and her demeanor that, you know, she's not. she may have lost her best player for the season, but she's kind of said, you know, I've been here before. And so, you know, I, I have faith that this women's team will be fine, but that it's a big blow. Uh, Aisha Jefferson done for the year, torn ACL in her right knee during Sunday's exhibition game against Lake Superior State. And uh, Coach Merchant says, uh, quote, Aisha will not be playing for us this year, which is pretty tough to handle. Uh, but you look, there's a bright side to this. You look at this and you look at uh, Alyssa DeHaan, and now with a medical redshirt to Jefferson for the year, that puts Alyssa DeHaan and Aisha Jefferson together for the final two seasons of their career. 
which could be very dangerous. If uh, you're an opposing coach in the Big Ten, you look at these two, you look at uh, Alyssa DeHaan's height. She was Big Ten Freshman of the Year, and I believe she's only going to progress and get better, You know, hopefully injury-free, but she'll continue to get stronger. She's six foot nine. I'll pair her with like the six foot two and a half inch Aisha Jefferson, the strength, the scoring ability in the post. That's a deadly post combination, and you have Brittany Thomas at the point guard, who has shown me so much uh, in this preseason for women's. Yes, keeping in mind it is preseason. And yes, we are talking women's basketball because we give props where props is due. They did win their two exhibition games against Grand Valley State and Lake Superior State this past week. Uh, Kalisha Keene, she's a freshman as well. She had twenty something like 24-12 and 12 in uh, Sunday's game. And so this the women still winning impressively without... Alyssa Dahan Sunday, and without Aisha Jefferson, she injures her knee in the first early in the first half, and uh, that's ten ten and a half points and five point six rebounds that the women's basketball team loses, and that those were last year's number. And, I, and Aisha Jefferson said she was she was the healthiest she's been, so that is a huge blow for women's basketball. But looking to the bright side, that does mean Alyssa Dahan and Aisha Jefferson will have two years. Uh, eligibility together in the post, and that is just a scary sight. I I don't know if I would want to play against that. 6'9 and 6'3, they're very good. Uh, another team on campus that is very good is the men's soccer team. I uh, got a chance to catch up with Coach Baum, the longest-tenured coach at Michigan State, actively 31 seasons coaching men's soccer. Uh, I got with them because they host the Big Ten tournament this weekend. Beginning Thursday, they play at 2 p.m., You'll hear it here in the interview. I got a chance to sit down with men's soccer head coach Joe Baum. He's like the Joe Paterno of college soccer. Got a chance to sit down with Coach Baum. Uh, here's uh, what Coach Baum had to say today looking ahead to the Big Ten tournament right here in East Lansing. I'm joined by men's soccer head coach Joe Baum. Coach Baum, you guys have suffered some losses in the past week, but what do you want to see your team improve on heading into this weekend's Big Ten tournament right here at Michigan State? Yeah, I'll tell you what happened. We went on the road and played two games on, on turf, or the artificial turf. And uh, we seem to lose our offensive rhythm. Early in the year, we were really passing the ball good. I thought we had a, a real nice flow to our attack. And on that turf, we seem to lose that rhythm, turning the ball over more than we'd like. And even against Ohio State on Sunday, even though we turned to the grass, I still don't feel like uh, the offense is flowing like it was earlier. So we're hoping with, you know, a few good days of practice here back on this grass, get that passing game going. I think that's the strength of Michigan State men's soccer is the ability to to pass the ball, ability to counterattack off turnovers, and we've kind of lost that. Uh, we've given up a couple more goals than we'd like lately, but I, I blame part of that to the fact that the offense isn't possessing like they were earlier. And when you turn it over, you're going to give the other team opportunities. And in the Big Ten, uh, when these teams get opportunities, they take advantage of them. So I think the whole key is to find our offensive rhythm again. Heading into the Big Ten tournament, Coach, you guys take on Penn State in the third game of the tournament, 2 p.m. on Thursday at Old College Field. Can you break down the Nittany lines a little bit and how important is home field advantage? Well, it's always nice to play at home. You know, you sleep in your own bed, you dress in your own locker room, and I, I just think there's a comfort zone for both the players and the coaches. You know, Penn State's a, they're an outstanding team. You know, they've had uh, some up and downs this year, but... I mean, if you look at them historically every year, they have a fine program, fine team. And, and this year, once again, they're, they're a little younger than they've been in the past. I think that's why they've been a little inconsistent. But at this time of the year, you know, freshmen aren't freshmen anymore. You know, I think they were starting three freshmen. Now those guys probably got 18 games under their belts. So I, I don't even consider them freshmen. Uh, their goalie is outstanding. He's just a fine keeper. He's been with them for four years. So we think it's going to be a typical Big Ten battle, you know, probably a one-goal game. 
each team will get a few chances, and perhaps who finishes one, you know, late in the second half will come away a winner. As I said, if, if we can just keep our rhythm going and create chances, I think with Doug and Kenzo up front, we'll be all right. And uh, defensively, we're going to have to tighten the belts up just a little bit better. And lastly, Coach, what do you think success in this tournament will be contingent upon? Well, you know, first of all, you got to play defense, you know. I think uh, if you play outstanding defense, you got a chance to win this tournament. There's no way you're going to win games 4-3. to three. That's just the nature of it. When we were fortunate to win it in 2004, we gave up one goal in three games. Uh, that was the reason we won the tournament. If you look at Indiana year in and year out, they've won this tournament a lot. They just shut people out. Uh, you know, they play clamp-down defense, and I think that's the key. You know, you, you need to get a couple shutouts here if you think you got a chance to win, so we're just going to have to pick it up defensively. That was men's soccer head coach Joe Baum. The men's soccer team hosts the Big Ten tournament this week right here in East Lansing. Uh, the men's team, they play at 2 p.m. on Thursday against Penn State over at Old College Field. That's behind Jenison Fieldhouse. Um, so there, there are tickets available. Um, MSUSpartans.com, you can check it out, whatever. Uh, for the Big Ten tournament, I think you can uh, purchase tickets there. So men's Big Ten soccer tournament here in East Lansing. We've seen... Michigan State successfully hosts tournaments in the past. We just hosted the first and second round of the women's basketball NCAA tournament last year, and we hosted that very successfully. That was big uh, for Michigan State. I mean, you look at just hosting little events like this adds to the credibility of, of the university, and we know the renovations that are going on over at Old College Field and that complex. are going They've already built the hitting facility for baseball. They're going to add grandstands to soccer and a whole new soccer facility. The DeMartin family donated like 750000 So good things happening over at Old College Field. You know, when, when I've been traveling around the Big Ten, it's, it's astonishing to see just across the board the, the type of facilities that the Big Ten has. And Ohio State really comes to yeah. mind. Like Ohio State's facilities, their baseball field, immaculate. Uh, but I think Michigan State's really taking the strides. They have the new uh, sports building. Uh they were building it like, like two years ago, and they were going to host like Olympic trials there. Yeah, facilities are huge, and uh, I say that because <laughs> Michigan State is really—you see them really coming to to the plate and swinging. You got the football stepping their game up. They they should be complete by what the the summer, I believe it is, with the Perlis uh, in uh, the uh, Scandalaires building over there. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what all this stuff looks like, just in time for us to graduate, I guess. Uh, men's basketball, their locker room's amazing. It really is, is amazing. I talked to their equipment manager, Dave Pruder, and he said he's been, he's been, he travels everywhere with the team, and he's been across the country, seen all, all the locker rooms, really. Like, who hasn't Michigan? He's been with the team for like more than 10 years, so what hasn't he seen? He said, this is the best locker room in college basketball. And, and I mean, yes, he may be a little biased, but when I went in there, and I've been, uh, for certain reasons to the Dallas Mavericks locker room and seen that, and, and, in, and not, you can't compare. It's like apples to, to peas or whatever the the, the thunder, the, the thunder and lightning. You know, I'm trying to put two Mr. different analogy. two different things in here. Mister analogy there, <laughs> but our our men's locker room and women's locker room for that matter, uh, just immaculate. Um, it's like nine flat screen TVs, but they're all connected, and it's broadcast one huge image. It's like not a big screen, but it, it's just immaculate, and that's just the lobby area. And you got you know a little kitchenette area. Go back. If I'm a recruit and I walk into Michigan State's locker room, sign me up. You know it's it's incredible. So I'm sure that there'll be a, a photo gallery or a video tour up on on a website somewhere soon. You know some local TV news station will do a feature on it soon enough. I'm sure because it is that immaculate and it has does strides 
for a program to have facilities, and we see Michigan State doing just that. But men's basketball, unfortunately, new locker room didn't really help. You know, locker room can't win games. But they lost in double overtime to Grand Valley State, 85-82, in in front of what appeared to be a capacity crowd for an opening exhibition game against D2 Grand Valley, which is a very good D2 Grand Valley team. Uh, If you'd like to comment on any of the athletic events that transpired this past weekend or you have a story that matches ours that we told at the beginning of the show, please do. 517-432-3893 is the number. Uh, the email address, wdbmsports at gmail.com. Yes, our, our friend Jeff, you know, just some people are just tuning in. Our friend Jeff, he dropped his cell phone in the toilet, uh, needs to dry out. So what does he decide to do? Puts it battery and all in the oven on broil, goes and takes a shower, comes back to a partially melted phone. Luckily for Jeff, battery did not explode and phone melted a bit but still functional with some rubber bands in place. So if you have a more brilliant story or one as equally brilliant, please email or call us and share with us. Please, all true stories. We had some hecklers, some jokers out there tonight, but any true stories that can match that brilliant story of trying to dry your phone off that you dropped in the toilet, in the oven on broil, please do call 517-432-3893. Email address wdbmsports at gmail. Dot com, But men's basketball, take it for what it is. It is an exhibition game. There was some unnatural substitution going on. It looked like hockey for a while. Coach Izzo would sub four, five, even five players at a time in. Um, life is not over for men's basketball. Uh, we look back to, the oh, was it the 05-06 team that lost on the road to open their season at Hawaii? I think in the was. Maui On their way to the Maui Invitational. You know, 18 players started cramping up because they're dehydrated. It was just, just kind of odd, weird loss. That's where I file this one under. It's not like, it's just, it was just weird sitting there watching the game. It's just like, wow, this is just odd that we lost to Grand Valley. You know, Coach Izzo knows what went wrong. The players know what went wrong. They were salty after the game. They were very disappointed in themselves. It's a good wake-up call for the guys, though. Better to happen exhibitionally than during the regular season. Yeah, and then, oh boy, did the Appalachian State parallels just start streaming out of the Ann Arbor media. <laughs> yeah, it had to happen that, you know, Michigan-Michigan State weekend. Yeah, it was just, it was a tough weekend. That's why we started off with a uh, a light, you know, humorous story to start the uh, start <clears> the show here tonight. If you'd like to join us, 517-432-3893 is the number. Uh, life's not over. A good wake-up call for the guys, I'd say. Uh, but how shocked were you when you saw that final score, Brigitte? I mean, when people were telling me, I, I couldn't even believe it. They were like, yeah, we lost double overtime. I'm like, to Grand Valley? Like, you know, given they do give us a little bit of trouble every year. Like, I think the games are pretty close. But then usually there's that distinct separation. But I couldn't believe they pulled it off. And I guess you got to give them props. Yeah, p- part of me says, you know, congratulations, Grand Valley. That's that's a big achievement. That does one. That's going to do wonders, regardless of what their how their coach downplayed it after the game. Their coach, really humble guy, really respect Grand Valley's coach. He's a, he did a great job. Uh, it does wonders for their program. You're recruiting a kid, and you say, hey, we had the talent to. They almost won D two last year. They they made it to the Elite Eight in Division two, and uh, they really gave us work last year we mm-hmm. nights had to be heroic and he, and he just wasn't but we're going right to the phone so welcome to spartan sports wrap what's on your mind hey yeah uh, not sure you guys even want to hear this but the year 1989 when u of m won the national basketball championship 
they actually lost to Alaska Fairbanks earlier that year. And so this could be a uh, a good sign of things to come, possibly? I wouldn't say a good sign, but, you know, all hopes are positive. How disappointed were you to see that final score? I was I was devastated as well, but, you know, we'll get through. Still got a, a great conference uh, schedule, and we'll, we'll win at least 22, 23 games this year, make it in the tournament and make a run. If there was a bright spot of of that game against Grand Valley, what was it? Oh, I really liked how he was um, training the players in and out, like you mentioned on the radio here. you you got to feel get a feel for your players, how they're going to work together, and you know, I, I think that's what he was doing, basically, subbing four and five people at a time, trying to get that, that you know, the mesh like like you need in college basketball, and you're not going to want to do that, you know, your tenth game of the season when you're playing on a Big Ten schedule. Hey, we appreciate your phone call. Thanks again. All right, take care. You want to chime in on the Spartan Sports Wrap here tonight? The number five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. That is an interesting way to look at it, as the caller described. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is somewhat like hockey subbing. You're subbing four or five at a time. Players aren't getting time to mesh, but that's why it's the exhibition season. You know, you have two freebie games, kind of that don't count against you, really. And you can see what players run the court well together, what point guard runs well with what guards. Um, a bright spot, in my opinion, is Chris Allen had led all score, Spartan scores with 15. So good to see Chris Allen playing well. And when you look at the the question marks going into the ex- <coughs> exhibition opener, is was the play of the freshman? And so it was good to see the freshman play well for the most part. Uh, Darrell Summers played well, shot the ball average. Um, Darrell could have had a better shooting day. Drew Neitzel could have had a, a better shooting day. We'll get to the upperclassmen here in a minute. But you look at the freshman, Kalen Lucas can really run the show. I really like what what Kalen Lucas brings to the floor. But two calls, we're going to line one first. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap. What's on your mind? Hey, what's going on? Welcome in. What's the word? Not much, Dan. It's your boy Harold calling from Bristol, Connecticut. ESPN is in the house. This is Harold Shelton, ESPN's finest. Harold, what's going on, brother? Not much, not much. Uh, just wanted to finally give a call in. Had a Monday off, so happy to listen to the show. And they're out. You're out there. You're out there grind, grinding for for e, for entertainment and sports programming network, my friend. Trying to, trying to. Hey, good to he- good to hear Harold's. Harold used to be on the show with us. So, man, so it seems like yesterday, Harold. But uh. Uh, give us your thoughts on uh, either men's basketball or football. Go ahead, Harold. Uh, I think a lot of people are putting way too much into this loss to Grand Valley. It was an exhibition game. They played 13 guys in the first half. Nitsa didn't even really take a shot until you know, midway through the second half. I mean, I think a lot of people are making so much out of it. It was a team that lost the right state the year they won the national title. People just need to relax. They're 0-0. The real season doesn't start for a while. I so, think that just needs to be said first. And uh, football, Harold, quickly, your thoughts on the loss to Michigan? Obviously, obviously it hurt. It, it definitely hurt. You know, you get tired of hearing Michigan fans or Michigan players, you know, react in a certain way. It's a, it's a lot of hypocritical uh, people over in Ann Arbor, but uh, – for the most part, I liked the game plan. I didn't really understand the prevent towards the end of the game, but you know, Michigan caught a break with the mallet fumble that bounced right to heart, and you know, they they took advantage of it. Just uh, I think D'Antonio's still the right guy, but you know, I mean, you can see as opposed to John L. Smith, where we get blown out again. We lost all five games by seven points or less. It's just going to take some time to get some talent in, and uh, 
hopefully these dudes you know, can take it to the next level in a couple of years. Hey, thanks for the call, Harold. I'm trying to take it to the next level like you. ESPN's Harold Shelton joins us. Harold, thanks so much for joining us. All right, take it easy, guys. We're going right to line two. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Rep. How you doing? Hey, Dan, did you see Mike Hart's comments after the game? Uh, about the little brother comments. What's your take on that? Because I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, th- those comments are really unfair. Because I'll tell you what, I, w- w- this is the kind of stuff that we're going to remember. We're going to remember this kind of stuff come January, February, when when it's basketball time. Because this is going to be a completely different game, uh, and they're going to find out who the little brother is. Uh, well, uh, Coach Antonio, he he, it was an interesting take. I didn't get that on. Uh, I didn't record his comments on Mike Hart, but uh, he, Coach Antonio, really said, you know. Uh, does Mike Hart have have a little brother, and, and kind of put it in a way? Does Mike well, can, can Mike put five? Can Mike? He said, "Can Mike Hart have a little brother?" And he, and he gestured like to a reference of short height. Like Mike Hart is very short, and could he have a little brother? Uh, but uh, have you ever seen Mike Hart in real life? Uh, yes, I saw him. Like five foot four. I saw him after the game. Make fun of us. And uh, yeah, the whole the whole big brother comment thing that just feeds to the arrogance of Ann Arbor. Uh, but then again, you look at uh, what Brian, Brian Hoyer said something today. You know, it, it has a curse word in, so you know I, I had to avoid that. You know, I don't want to get fired or get the station shut down. But you, you, Brian Hoyer kind of said, you know, yes, we may we may be little brother. We'll 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 say that because we have not beat you in the last what six tries. But there's a time when yeah, little brother turns around and kicks your you-know-what. And he said the word. So I'm sure it'll be plastered all over the papers tomorrow. Brian Hoyer cursing today, but I'm not going to endorse that. But but definitely the the hatred is there. But, yeah, the Mike Hart little brother comment uh, just feeds to the, the arrogance of Ann Arbor. Uh, wait till basketball season. Yeah, I like that. You know, you, you don't like to use that as a crutch. Uh, but, yes, the basketball schedule is uh, favorable. We play Michigan uh, once, unfortunately, that would have been two easy wins this year. But we played Michigan once at the crib. Um, I believe we'll hang at least a thirty-point win on the Wolverines. All I'm saying is that you weren't—you're not going to see. That's so classless. You're not going to see our student athletes doing that to them when we beat them by forty in basketball. Because it's, it's a—it's a given, you know. We—they—they they cannot compete with us in basketball. Yes, the last two years they've had some luck. Uh, two years ago they had some uh, what appeared to be fixed officiating in Ann Arbor. Uh, other than that. Yes, they beat us last year. Okay, they got us on their on their turf. But in the last decade, the decade of dominance of, that is Michigan State basketball. Oh, they couldn't hold. A, what is it? A match to us? A jock strap. They oh, <laughs> a jock strap. They, they couldn't hold a jock strap to us, as Ray says. You know, there's a span. And what we, Mateen Cleves got the what is it? The Big Ten record in assists against them when we hung over a fifty point victory on them when he had like twenty assists. So, yeah, I don't know, you know, I'll say it all day. Michigan State basketball is better than Michigan football. I'll say it all day. We appreciate your call, though. Hey, no problem. Hey, I also wanted to chime in on the basketball game. Go ahead, chime in. Uh, were you at the game? Yes, sir. Um, you know, first of all, if you're, if you're going to lose to Appalachian State in football, it takes, it takes like 50 guys. It takes like 50 people. And you play what? Seven home games a year. Yeah. All right. Michigan probably gave them what? What do you think? Eight hundred thousand dollars to play that game? Yeah. They, it, probably. It, it, maybe even more. Probably. Yeah. It, so it, yeah. Do you, do you think they wanted to come in there and get worked on like they did? No. No way. When all I'm saying is that hey, you know, exhibition, like you said, you made a good point with all the substitutions. 
and you know, I mean, there were a bunch of different factors. And hey, you know, I I hand it to those Grand Valley kids. They played great. That, that was their Super Bowl. Oh, I mean, absolutely. There's uh, there's, no, there's no pregunta about it. There, they that was their Super Bowl, and and there that was their. I mean that that. I mean, hey, I'll tell you what. They, they did the same thing to Michigan. They did the same thing to us last year. Hey, we appreciate your call, hey, man. Hey, hey, t- hey, take it easy. The number five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. We appreciate those calls. Harold Shelton. Harold used to co-host a show with me back in the day. He dipped to ESPN. He's a, like a sports and a research, research analyst out in Bristol, Connecticut, doing big things. So big ups to, to Harold Shelton. His sister writes for the Detroit Free Press, Michigan State beat writer. So family, big into sports. Harold was a tremendous asset to the show. Uh, he was really like the walking sports encyclopedia. He knew so much information. It was incredible, from hockey to baseball to basketball. A great asset, Miss Harold. So big ups to Harold, doing big things at ESPN. But we continue on with the the loss to Grand Valley. This team is going to be fine. Uh, like the caller said, you know, the national championship year, we lost to Wright State. I'm not saying we're going to win a national championship. I already forewarned the fans last week, don't put so much into this season. Let's have high hopes for the block of four to five years that we have in front of us. Let's have high hopes there. But let's not put all the eggs in one basket and say, oh, we're going to go and win a national title. The most redundant phrase, taking it a game at a time, taking it a day at a time, it's redundant, but it is so the truth. I mean, coaches, it's coach speak, but in reality, that's how you have to handle it. You take it a game at a time. You can't look down the road. You have to go through practice, take care of business. You you have to take it a a game at a time, and that's what Michigan State will do. Uh, One thing I did notice uh, before I get to this call, that the team is – a very Neitzel-reliant team still, and I believe they're learning to play as more of a team and be less reliant on number 11. We go right to the phones. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Rep. Hey, Dan, I just wanted to, uh, I don't mean to be a downer, dude, but I wanted to make a comment about um, how great the Izone was at, at, at one time and how bad the Izone was at another time. And I'm really hoping that I can get the word out to students to stop using the swearing cheers that are constantly being, you know, done at the football games, this mass Tourette syndrome that's taken over our <laughs> students' bodies. And, uh, you know, and we just can't do it at the basketball games because if the Izone does, in my opinion, I can't prove this, but in my opinion, there's a lot of big money people out there that would love to get their hands on them seats. And the Izone has got to be the loudest. I mean, being an effective cheering section means being the loudest. It doesn't mean being the stupidest. And I'm really hoping that, like I said, they weren't, we weren't doing it at first, but then as the game progressed, all of a sudden the swearing cheers started creeping in. And I just want to put it out there to people that, like, you know, Nobody wants to be part of the class that got the Izone closed down. And it was so cool to see there was not a single empty seat at the game. But at the same time, we really have to stop the stupid cheers. Hey, I agree with you on that. There's a big, there's a big issue, like what, a couple of weeks ago in the papers about, you know, the one, two, three, first down, you know what, Shan, at the football games. And so, you know, they put it out there, you know, it may be part of the football game. It could be, but at the same time, it could be looked upon as somewhat classless, you know. But, you know, 90% of that student body is just bombed out of their mind. And, so, you know, it's, it's something you can't – there's – I don't know if you can control that as much as you could help to control the Izone at basketball. But, yeah, you made a great point. Don't be part of the class that gets the Izone shut down. And, uh, like you said, uh, 
Can, I was not a student at Michigan State when the Izzone was rocking in 01 and in 2000. Uh, can you compare, contrast the two, sir, if you could? Well, I mean, it was it was just like, I mean, I can go back even farther than that. I mean, I remember a thing under when Judd Heathcote was the coach. It was called Spartan Spirits, and you had to be a senior to, to, to even qualify. And I think there was only 150 kids because Coach Izzo was talked about it. And they were just the loudest, most rockinest, uh, uh crowd ever. And, I mean, I remember one time... Uh, uh, Scott Skiles got uh, uh, Antoine Jobert so riled up that he fired his wristbands into the crowd, and it was a huge victory for for the Michigan State fans, and the, the fans were just great. And, and it just seems like it's something that's happened in the last four or five years that all of a sudden, like I said, we've changed the fight song, and, and, and all these traditional hundred-year-old cheers have been polluted with all of this swearing. And like I said, I mean, I would, I would point out to all the students that the, to be an effective cheering force means being the loudest. I mean, there's nothing that will drive the other team crazy than hearing the fight song a hundred times. But when you start swearing, and especially like in the football games, I mean, I was at a, a game at Ohio State where there were 90 MSU students surrounded by 100,000 Buckeye fans. And to the people that says, well, this intimidates the other team, no one could hear us up there. And we were lucky that we got out alive because they were doing the, the first down cheer and, and all that stuff. And, and it's really lame when you're doing those, those, those in-your-face cheers when we're getting thumped, you know? Definitely agree with you. Hey, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. All right, Dan, take care. All right. My, hey, even though it's a little off topic with the Izzone, I, I definitely agree. That, that's a great point. It seems that students may take for granted the opportunity to, to sit that close to the court to be part of a student section. And, and I'm not sure. <clears throat> I'm not sure. There may be just a select few that have been around the country. Ray, have, where else have you been in the Big Ten, if anywhere? No, I haven't really been anywhere to you know comment on this. Well, it looks like we're going right to the phone. I want to hold on the phone call for a second just to make this point. I've been around to the Big Ten to, to arguably the two best venues in, in all of the Big Ten, uh, to Madison, Wisconsin, and to Columbus, Ohio. And what their fans bring is exactly what that caller just described. They are loud. They bring it the entire game, and it definitely has an impact on the game. Oh, fans can't win. Fans can't catch a pass. Fans can't recover a fumble. Fans can have an emotional impact on a very emotional game, both in, in football and basketball now. And that point that the fans keep it clean in Columbus for the most part, from what I saw, I was there this year for football, and I was in Madison for football as well. Madison definitely has the loudest fans in the Big Ten. Ruckus the whole game, their jump around thing going in the fourth quarter, the whole stadium shaking. The presence of a loud student section is great, and yeah, the swearing thing it may be it may be funny or maybe cool or something at, at the beginning. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you really want to be a mature adult about it, that is kind of class. As we go to line two, welcome to the Spartan Sports Rep. Hey, Dan. What's up? What's going on? Hey, Brigitte. Hey. Hey, what's going on with you? Not too much. How are you? All right, all right. I was just listening to the show, and uh, I thought, uh, you know, um, even Coach Izzo himself said that was the greatest exhibition crowd in the history of exhibition games. I mean, our, our student crowd, I thought, brought it strong. Absolutely. I mean, for the most part, they kept it clean. Uh, but, for, I mean, my, the caller may have been referring to the football one, two, three, first down chant. Uh, but, yeah, the crowd at, at the opening game was tremendous. It was, I believe it was a sellout for an exhibition game in, on a Friday night at 8 p.m. Incredible. 
I mean, I mean, in in my in my experience as a Michigan State student, I would say that that you know our stu- our student section. I mean, we might not have. I mean, we might not have hold enough people like a, like a Wisconsin does. I mean, uh, or make the stadium shake or whatever they say happens. But uh, I'll tell you what, our sec- our student section w- was absolutely great at the football and the basketball games, and. And, and you know, I mean, you don't you don't want to take little kids into atmospheres where they're cussing and everything. But um, I don't know. At, at some point, it, it, it's kind of like you know, like the rap music that kids listen to nowadays. When um, you know, if you want to hear it, if you don't want to hear it, don't listen to it. I mean, that kind of stuff. Hey, we appreciate your call. All right, man. I mean, you can you can look at it different ways. Wow, this show has really <laughs> we've, <laughs> we're we're, we're getting today. into we're getting into ethics and, and uh, ethical standards of of crowd cheering, but. Um, just to make it clear, Madison, Wisconsin had the rowdiest, ruckus fans I've ever seen. I've been around, I've been some places, ruckus. I've been to Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin. Um, I'll go to Purdue this weekend into West Lafayette, uh, for that noon start on Big Ten Network. Also, just a quick side note, Penn State, Michigan State, 3.30 on ABC. That is the last regular season game, 3.30 on ABC. Uh, that will be that, but we gotta we gotta move forward past basketball. It's already seven forty. Unbelievable. Uh, this team, uh, just to wrap up basketball, they're f- still very Neitzel reliant. I will say that. Uh, is that a bad thing? No, that's how they played last season. Drew Neitzel was huge last year, and they're very Neitzel reliant, and they'll continue to learn um, and play through that. Troy Knight just sent me an email. Uh, <laughs> this this might be good. Uh, my roommate my junior year put Dawn in the dishwasher instead of Cascade. Oh, boy, this is a good one. It was about 7.30 a.m., and he woke me up saying that he tried to do the dishes and that the water and soap are pouring out of the dishwasher and that he had to be at class at 8 a.m. He left the mess with me, who, by the way, didn't have a class until 9.30 to clean up his stupidity. He also left the dishwasher running until I came into the kitchen to turn it off and witness the pouring of soap and water. We lived on the second floor of an apartment, and I was scrambling to dam up the water before it goes down the halls or whatever and leaks to the bottom apartment. This was by far the dumbest thing any roommate of mine has ever done. Thanks for allowing me to get this off my chest. That's, that's <laughs> Troy. Oh, unbelievable. Troy, that is, that's a battle. We're battling for number one tonight. My A friend of Raynar's dropped his phone in the toilet, and to dry it off, he decided to put it in the oven on broil and took a shower, came back to a half-melted cell phone, but it still worked. God bless his heart, Jeff. <laughs> so keep the stories going. Thanks, Troy, out there who took advantage of the email. Hope you do likewise. WDBMSports at gmail.com. And uh, Bo sends an email. He says, I'm listening to the show and turning the page on the U of M loss. Thank you for doing that. Uh, what are your thoughts on about this weekend's game at Purdue? Before we get there, can we take a look back quickly at the Michigan loss? We've seen the script before. It seems like we've been down that road so many times before, but it, it's not the end of the world. Although I'm salty about the loss and I was on the sideline, up 10, like, here we go. We can do this. We can do this. Thinking about how fun it's going to be in East Lansing tonight because we're going to beat Michigan. Didn't happen, but oh well. It's not the end of the world. I'm not going to cry over spilled milk. We've been there before. We've been conditioned as Spartan fans to endure such things. Uh, but uh, one thing, don't crucify a coach or his staff in their first year. Please do not. The message boards, the rants on TV, what, whatever, do not crucify a coach and his staff in their first year. It's unbelievable the people calling for D'Antonio's head or Treadwell's poor play calling. Do not call for a coach's head or crucify him or his staff in their first year. This is a rebuilding process. 
People are so conditioned to wanting the quick fix in today's society. Oh, we hired a new coach, so does that automatically mean that we're going to get results in a, a final win-loss column that we agree with? I don't know. People are so used to the quick fix. I mean, it's great that we have, you know, take a pill, feel better over this or that, but for Michigan State football, it's going to take more than that. you got to be patient. Oh, I'm sick of being patient. Have we been blown out this year? No. Average loss coming by what? Uh, a touchdown? Like six point. A touchdown or less? So, I'm not discouraged. But uh, Michigan left that locker room, regardless of what they say, uh, to the media or whatever they said about Big Brother, Little Brother, they felt darn lucky that Mike Hart picked up that fumble and it bounced right to him. They were feeling very lucky. I don't care. Oh, we knew when we were down 10. Yeah, right, Mike Hart. You did not know when you were down 10. When you were down 10, uh, you were probably getting outrushed by Javon Ringer, okay, <laughs> Mike Hart? You know, first it was the uh, it was the comments about Jim Harbaugh, and now the little brother comments. Yeah, Mike Hart. Yeah, great game, okay? Uh, Mike Hart had the same number of rushes as Javon Ringer. 15 carries for Mike Hart. 110 yards. Javon Ringer, 128 yards. Battle of the backs, I give it to Javon Ringer. The fact that they had the same same amount of carries, too. They both had 15 carries, and, you know, uh, Ringer actually outproduced them. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm all about Ringer over Hart, especially after the comments he made. And it just, uh, the team definitely is not a fan of uh, of Mike Hart. And that was apparent today. I'm sure that'll be plastered all over the media. Uh, but Javon Ringer definitely had a great game uh, running the football. It was unfortunate that we lost. Uh, but definitely I give the nod to uh, to Javon Ringer in that game. Battle of the backs, if you want to call it that. But it's not the end of the world. Michigan left that locker room feeling extremely lucky. Um, but it's unfortunate that to see that we didn't finish the game. We're going to go to clip two. Um, tough to see so close so many times. But it's no secret, folks. Coach D knows it. Coach D addressed it today at the press conference. Uh, here's what Coach D had to say on Michigan State football finishing games. Got to find a way at the end of the football game to finish the game. You know, some of it's breaks. I mean, the ball pops up into the running back's hands. And, uh, you know, he's. I think it was a third down play, as I remember. Was it a third down play? So, I mean, they're punting right there. If, they just, if the ball doesn't go anywhere, they're punting right there. And, and uh, there's seven minutes left in the game. We take three minutes off the clock or so. It is what it is. I can't tell you why those things happen. And then we start to press a little bit and things get tight and, uh, maybe we haven't been there in that situation enough times, although you would argue that because it's the fifth time this year. But, um, uh, you know, we need to find a way to make the play at the end of the game. We need to find a way to keep our composure at times um, or call a different play. Uh, so it's all inclusive, and the coaches are involved in that. And I'm the head coach, so we'll start with me. But, um, you know, it's uh, very disappointing for our players and uh, families and fans. That was head coach Mark D'Antonio speaking on the Michigan loss um, about how our inability to finish games, you know, it's kind of you know, moral victory, whatever you want to call it. It is, it is, you know, somewhat heartening to see that we are a touchdown away from being undefeated. Imagine that. That sounds very, very arousing. Undefeated. Michigan State football? Going into a BCS Bowl, potentially. That is outstanding, but that is not the case. That, you know, we can sit here and what if all day, uh, but you know, realistically, we have not been blown out. Yes, we are down twenty-four zero at Ohio State. Came back resiliently against the nation's number one team. I believe they're still number one, and they're number one for a reason. 
Um, but it is disheartening to see that we can't finish, but it's no secret. And uh, it is year one. We're 5-5, five and five, very close to being 8-2. and two. Really, re- realistically, I mean, you look at the Ohio State loss, you know, that, that probably was a loss. The other games, jump ball, at the, you know, jump balls at the end of the game. So close. Just seven points. Our, our losses come by seven points or less, all five. But see, those seven-point losses are why we're at the bottom half of the Big Ten as opposed to up top. Like, it just it's annoying. And to go back to what you were saying about crucifying D'Antonio, I think most of the fans aren't upset about the fact that we're losing. It's the way we're losing. We're doing the same things that we did. And, you know, I think, at least for me, I'm sick of hearing D'Antonio talk about the things that we should be doing each week. Like, just do them already, you know? I think the students just want to see, like, some kind of result. I think the thing is, is that we have been shown, like, we've been sh- we've been shown glimpses of brilliancy. I'll, I'll say brilliancy because we are very close to being an undefeated football team. Mm-hmm. We've been shown those glimpses, and people started believing at the beginning of this D'Antonio era. People started believing and they said, you know what? This football team, they can win. They can be good. And now that we're losing these close games, you know, if we're, if we're starting to get blown out at the beginning of the season, you know, people chalk, chalk it up to the new coaching regime. But we are so close in these, in these losses that people, uh, people are just, kind of, people had faith. They really didn't. If they, and hopefully they still do. Uh, because seven points or less, the loss, five losses to Michigan State football. Um, very tough to see us that close, but um, we have to keep it positive. Here's Coach Antonio on um, extracting the positives from the Michigan game. We're not unraveling. We're handling some adversity. We're coming back out after being down 14 to three, and and pretty much, you know, handled in the first half, especially offensively. And we come back and and uh, change the whole complexion of the game. We've done that time and again throughout the season thus far. So there's a lot of positive things we can point to. Um, we have to get over the. We have to get the win. You know, that's the bottom line, and I understand that. But there are some positives that we can build on, and we need to take the positives that we can build on and do that. That was head coach Mark D'Antonio speaking on the positives he can extract from the Michigan game. He had a great point. We're not talking about, if we beat Michigan, we're not talking about the, the throws Brian Hoyer didn't make. We're talking about the throws he did make, checking out of the fumble Ruski play to Kellen Davis, making a great throw on the sideline to Devin Thomas. We're talking about the plays Brian Hoyer did make and the plays Michigan State did make and the reversal of the field by Javon Ringer in a tremendous run. We're not talking about the errors that the team made. It's it's In each game, teams make errors. And when you win, everything's perfect. You got the result. And like Coach said, we're not here talking about what Hoyer didn't do or the ball he may have underthrown or didn't put enough zip on to get to Devin Thomas or the wide-open receivers he missed. We're perfect in the red zone, I believe. So, so if we got yeah. to the, if we got to the red zone, we were scoring, and we really did come back fourteen three. A tale of halves. Could it have been twenty eight six? No, we were up ten in the second half. We look at red zone scoring chances. Michigan State four for four in the red zone. You know, extract some positives from it. But uh, funny, we told the funny story at the beginning of the show. We got to tell it again. It's just um, emails are coming in. Uh, our, our friend Ray's roommate, roommate Funny Mishaps, uh, dropped his cell phone in the toilet to dry it off. He decided to put it in the oven on broil, went to take a shower <laughs> like an idiot, and came back to a partially melted cell phone. But luckily for Jeffine, it still works. Um, but Brigitte, one of our emailers earlier, uh, Troy said, well, his roommate put the dish like dish soap into the 
into the uh, uh, like dishwasher. Yes, dishwasher. <laughs> I'm stumbling over my words here. And, and you said your roommate Leah did the same thing. Yeah, she did. Uh, we were out of dishwashing soap, and so she thought it'd be the next best thing to put like the hand soap in the um, cup. So before she actually got it going, like before it started pouring out, we were like, "Oh my God, what are you doing?" So we like hurried up and. It was already starting to come out, but luckily we didn't have as bad of an experience as uh, I think Troy had. Yeah, he was so mopping up water before his 9.30 a.m. classes. <laughs> his friend just, you know, kind of fumbled on him and said, i got to go to class. Mental mistake. But, uh, yeah, that's that's right up there. That putting the dish, that's pretty stupid. Putting the dish soap in the, the dishwasher when you're supposed to put, like, the uh, grainy, you know, cascade or whatever. Yeah, that's right up there with Jeffine putting uh, his wet cell phone in the oven. <laughs> On broil, are you kidding me? Uh, but we could, we continue forward. Uh, just uh, light, that was just a lighthearted story to begin the show to to you know get a smile on everyone's face today. It's about to snow tomorrow. Is I've it got really? a, I'm struggling. Got a cold. I'm you know I'm gonna have to turn the heat on in the apartment. Unbelievable. Uh, but people can point to you know Brian, the quarterback player Brian Hoyer. You know I believe Lynn Henning was it a, uh, the one of the Detroit papers. You know kind of pinning losses on Hoyer. <laughs> And, you know, it's it's tough that so much credit and so much blame is given to quarterbacks. I do not think that is fair. Um, quarterback play can be praised. It can be debated, whatever. Uh, here's Coach Antonio on uh, Brian Hoyer. People say he may be locking on receivers during games. Here's what Coach Antonio had to say about his QB. I don't know that he's locking on receivers. I think we have a go-to guy a little bit in terms of Devin. Um, you don't want to feature your playmakers. Um, players are making plays. It's just like, uh, you know, the one fumble Ruski play we worked. I mean, it's third down, and, um, you know, Kellen's not open. He goes to Devin. He makes a tremendous catch. Um, It's a great throw. Um, So I think what we're talking about here right now is if we win this football game, um, we're not even talking about what happened in the first half. So, um, you know, we had opportunities to win that football game. It didn't come down to missing a receiver. Uh, You know, we got back down on the 32-yard line. Can't take a sack, but, um, you know, it is what it is. And I know I sound like a broken record up here, but I'm going to I'm going to re- maintain our consistency in terms of the way we handle things here. And, uh, you know, that's just the way we're going to do it. That's head coach Mark D'Antonio speaking on the Michigan game. It's so true. If we beat Michigan, you know, we're not sitting here talking about the, the wide open receivers Hoyer missed or the mis- misjudged throw. You know, Hoyer really thought he did put enough on that ball to to Devin Thomas down the middle, who Devin Thomas just straight up mossed a, a lot of Michigan DBs. Really, really did. I'm sure Michigan is having second thoughts about not recruiting him out of Ann Arbor Pioneer. Definitely. Um, but I uh, had a chance to sit down with Brian Hoare today. Uh, just to quickly recap, Brian was, uh, you know, I'm not going to play the interview. It's too long before we get to the end of the show. Uh, but Brian he, Brian was well aware of the throws he missed in the open receivers he could have had. He said that that missed throw to Devin kind of rattled him a little bit. But we're, he's human, folks. People are human. You have an opportunity to score a touchdown there, make it what a fourteen ten game. That that could rattle you, and that could rattle a lot of people. You know, I'm not going to sit here and question Brian Hoyer's mental confidence, but that that'll rattle you a bit. You're missing a receiver that wide open, or the not the the wind catching it, whatever happened. You know that that could rattle you a bit. But he obviously recovered and made some throws in the second half. Uh, uh, but we uh, a little debate here. Speaking of Devin Thomas, uh, coming up Purdue. We play Purdue Saturday, 12 noon on the Big Ten Network at Purdue. So that'll be uh, West Lafayette. Who would you rather have on your team? Uh, wide receiver Dorian Bryant of Purdue 
Uh, the talented all-around, all-purpose guy, he returns kicks, he returned one for a touchdown this past weekend. Or Michigan State's Devin Thomas. Ray, we'll start with you. I go with Devin Thomas. I think he's more of a complete receiver. You know, he blocks, he's bigger, I think he's faster. And I think, uh, you know, when I th- well, both of them are going to end up getting drafted. And I think, you know, Devin Thomas is more NFL-type receiver. <laughs> I think it, I'd just rather have him on my team. Kick it around, Brigitte. Who would you rather have on your team, uh, Purdue wide receiver Dorian Bryant or Devin Thomas of Michigan State? I like to take Devin Thomas as well. Um, he does a lot more for the team. He can make plays and that were going to start out as nothing into something. He returns kicks well, too. He's a great go-to guy when you're in a tough situation. He can bring in those close plays that maybe should be picked off and end up taking them in. I just I think he's a great receiver, totally going to be NFL caliber. Uh, I'd go with him. Hopefully NFL caliber later rather than sooner. Um, the number, 517-432-3893, not for the benefit of Tevin Thomas, but for the benefit of this program because uh, uh, I think him. he'll um, – and I'll take him over Manningham all day too. Yeah, Manningham had a great catch in the end zone, but I'll take Devin Thomas over Mario Manningham on the field and, and in a street fight <laughs> all day. 517-432-3893 is the number. Um, the email address, wdbmsports at gmail.com. I'll, I will take Devin Thomas if I didn't say if I didn't make that clear. DT, showtime, all day long. And I think Michigan State really has a chance to beat Purdue this Saturday. Even though it is in West Lafayette, this team has been conditioned to play and maintain a tight game on the road. We came back at Ohio State, one of the toughest venues, over 100,000 screaming at you. Uh, we played a tough game to three points in Madison. In the in the early onset of the year, you know, Madison or uh, Wisconsin's kind of flustered throughout <laughs> yeah. the, their their schedule, but they're still a solid team. Uh, but looking at the remainder of the schedule, two games, one win to make us bowl eligible, two to be a for sure bowl team. I still have faith. Here's Coach Antonio on the possibility of getting to a bowl game. I think it's it's very important we get to a bowl game. I mean, that's a goal of ours, and we want to reach our goals. And I also think it would benefit our our younger players. Um, in terms of bowl practice, you know, getting those extra practices. Um, in terms of where we're at, in terms of talking about that, you know, we've we've been talking about that. You know, we've been a, we've been sort of stuck on number five for quite some time here, so we've been talking about it just in, in as a reality. Um, but um, you know, it you know we're going to continue to play it through, and you know it's got to go one play at a time. I I, I can't say it any more times than. And that to our football team or to you guys, it's got to be one play at a time, and you have to have great focus every single time you line up. Head coach Mark D'Antonio speaking on the team's uh, you know, desire for a bowl appearance this year. Uh, Ray made a great point just now. Support this Michigan State football team heading down to Purdue. This team is very angry. They're not disappointed or depressed. They're mentally strong. Coach Antonio has really got his troops prepared. They are P.O.'d. At life right now, they would play tonight if they could. We are healthy. We have all of our weapons. We can go to Purdue and win. If we go to Purdue and win, this campus will be electric, and it should be when we take on Penn State at three thirty on ABC at home in our season finale. Three thirty, two weeks, a week from Saturday. But we got to take care of Purdue first. I really think Ray keys to the game against the Boilermakers. If you could. Just stopping the pass. I think. I think it's again. It starts up front, and I think we put, if we put pressure on the quarterback, I think. I think we come out with a W because, you know, he won't be. He won't be effective. Absolutely. You look at what we did to to the University of Michigan. Uh, we did have two sacks in that game, but we were constantly applying applying pressure to Chad Henney and Mallett, causing a fumble. Uh, but if those guys can bring it like they have 
They've been more than above. They've been above average, I'd say, our pass rush this season. Uh, but if we can beat Purdue, we'll be bowl eligible. But this place will be rocking heading into a Penn State game that could put us with a victory in a bowl in warm weather, not down I ninety four. Brigitte, your thoughts heading to Purdue? I think we're definitely going to have to have a good run game. We're going to have to get Javon and Ju going. Hoyer's going to have to have not a lot of turnovers. And aside from that, I think we can win. Hey, if you emailed or called in tonight, that I believe it's a record. Brigitte, you've been with me over a year. Over we, a year. we may have had We've a, never had this many calls. I appreciate the support of the Spartan Sports Ramp. I appreciate the emails, the funny stories. That is it. I'll be in West Lafayette this weekend. Aside from my work with men's soccer, don't forget Big Ten Tournament men's soccer right here in East Lansing, Michigan. But go green, go white. Let's get a W and become bowl eligible Saturday in West Lafayette. For Brigitte Troyan, Ray Mora, I'm Dan Duggar. Lisa Give us on the boards and the phones. Appreciate your help. That's Stop the Hour. Jazz Spectrum is next. Stay tuned. Jeff Shoop is spinning them from 8 to midnight. 8 to midnight as he gives me the, 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 the affirmation. That's it. Take care. Have a great night.